Welcome to the Royal Tax Podcast with your hosts, Megan Templeton, Royal Legal Solutions Consulting Attorney, and Royal Legal Solutions CPA, MBA, and CFO, Pete Shindley. Each week, they talk about how to take your tax and financial strategy to the next level and learn how to build and scale your real estate investing business in a way that maximizes your returns and minimizes your taxes. This is for informational use only. For direct questions, please contact us or your local tax CPA accountant. Hi, and welcome everybody. Of course, I am Scott Royal Smith. I am an asset protection attorney. Uh, I work with real estate investors all over the country, as you know, and entrepreneurs. Uh, we work with tax, asset protection, and estate planning. And today we're gonna be talking about tax. Uh, one of my favorite subjects actually is a tax. And why is that? It's because I like saving money from the government. Number one thing I like doing is making money. Number two is how do I save money from the government? Because I think that's the fastest way we get to financial freedom is making sure that we keep every one of those dollars that we can and get them working for us as best we can. And so that means saving money on taxes. So today we're gonna be talking with our in-house CPA, MBA, Pete Chandelier, who's gonna be helping us understand what it is to have real estate professional designation and how can that help us as real estate investors make sure that we save money on taxes. So Pete, thanks for um, coming on uh, with us today and heading this up, this conversation about real estate uh, professional designation. And the first thing that always comes to mind, I think for me, when I think about real estate professionalization, it's like, what does this mean? Does this mean I actually need to be like a real estate agent or like I need some type of certification or you know some type of like metal from the IRS uh, to, for, to be able to claim it? Um, what is that all about? So to be a real estate professional, you, you don't need any certificate, any certification. You don't have to have any like special degree or a letter from the IRS. Really to be a real estate professional, the IRS uses kind of two steps, has a two-step process to verify that you're a real estate professional. That's awesome. And so I want to I want to like cut off right there, but because I know we can go into the two steps. Uh, but before we go into yeah. the steps about how we're going to qualify as a real estate professional and how how we can, what are the ways in which we can do that? Um, tell us a little bit, Pete, about why is qualifying as a real estate professional important and who should be uh, really wanting to know more about uh, what it is to be a real estate professional? Okay. Yeah. So if you have a rental property, whether it's a house, apartment complex, duplex, whatever, currently you're probably making money, but then that's being offset with depreciation and creating losses. And all that's called a passive loss. And those passive losses, you can't lower your other income if you have a 1099 job or a W-2 job because that's active income. So what the real estate professional designation allows you to is it allows you to make those passive losses that you can't help lower your income to actually become active to which will offset your income from your other jobs or other type of um, money-making items. <laughs> Sorry, so you can have, so let, me see, let me make sure I'm following you here so far, Pete. So with my real estate, I love real estate because real estate uh, gives me this depreciation and gives all these passive losses. So I can take all of this money in for my real estate rental income and I can use um, depreciation. If I need more of that, I can actually use like cost segregation studies and bonus and accelerated depreciation if I need more. And man, this is awesome because I don't have to pay taxes on my rental income 
that I'm bringing in because it's passive losses and passive depreciation that goes against my passive income. But I have this other thing that's called active income, which is my 1099, my self-employed or my W-2 job that I'm working. And, and those, I can't take my passive losses from my real estate or my depreciation from my real estate. And I can't apply those to that other income unless I have, I'm able to qualify as a real estate professional. And if I can, then I can take all that depreciation that I have in my properties, especially if I'm doing cost segregation studies and other things to accelerate my depreciation. And I can actually offset my 1099, my self-employed or my W-2 income. Is that right? That is correct. Awesome. Okay. That sounds pretty exciting because that means that if I can get enough property with enough depreciation in it and get that uh, accelerated, then I might be able to get to like a zero tax event because I might be able to get enough depreciation to be able to offset all of my active income. Like hypothetically, that's possible, right? Yeah, it is possible, especially the more properties you have, the more depreciation, the bigger losses. So yeah, you definitely could offset your entire active income. Is this also apply in circumstances where I have like a sale of my stock and I have, you know, capital gains tax from the sale of my stock? Can I use real estate professional and my, my depreciation to be able to apply against like those taxes or is it just like the employment taxes and uh, from the 1099 W-2 and uh, self-employment self income? As active income, it, it would offset um, capital gains tax through stocks and trading and items like that. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, so yeah. this even like applies to, so the, my real estate becomes super powerful at the moment that I can qualify for real estate professional uh, designations. And I, I mean, like this blow, it blows my mind, right? Because now my property isn't, and my ROI on my property isn't the amount of cash flow that I just generated from the property and rents, right? That's not just my cash on cash return. It's also going to apply for what are all of the taxes that I'm not having to pay because I'm able to take on all this depreciation uh, from the property. Um, now I'm wondering too, is like now that I appreciated the property uh, all the way because I'm going to apply it against my active income and I'm going to apply it against the capital gains from selling in my stocks. Um, now, once I appreciate that all the way and I have to sell that property, um, like what are the typical things that I do there? Because now I'm going to have a huge capital gain for my property because I've depreciated them all the way within three to five years uh, of having that property. Um, what are the typical things that people do in that circumstance? Is that typically like a 1031 exchange? They buy a new property and then just start the process over again of redepreciating that new asset? Correct. Yeah. A like kind exchange of 1031 is usually what investors would do at that point because when they sell their house, the capital gains they'd have on it through the appreciation from the difference of the basis and the sale price, that would be taxed at a capital gain. But if you do 1031 exchange, all that profit will then get turned into the new property and you can start depreciating the new property at the purchase price of the new property. Wow. Just keep the cycle going. So hypothetically, right? Hypothetically, if I was really savvy and I had a really good plan with my real estate investing, I could own enough property to depreciate it by using cost segregation and bonus depreciation to depreciate it down within three to five years, take all the depreciation during that time period and have enough of it to offset all of my capital gains income, 1099 self-employed income. And at the moment that those properties no longer have any more that I can appreciate them in, I can then just buy new property with a 1031 exchange 
I don't pay any tax on the capital gains or the gains that are made from the sale of that real estate, and then just start the whole process again. And so I almost, if I can keep doing that back and forth and play this game right, I could hypothetically have a system where I never pay tax. Correct. That's amazing. All right, sign me up. How do I do it? Want more information? Join our community groups that exist to provide a space for like-minded people on a similar journey to learn, share, and network with real estate investing professionals and entrepreneurs. We meet weekly for an hour in Zoom to offer knowledge and accountability. Be sure to grab the link in our show notes. <laughs> As I was alluding to at the start, you have to get that real estate professional. You have to be able to qualify for that. <laughs> I'll do anything it takes to qualify as a real estate professional if it means I never have to pay tax again. What, right. are, what, are, what are the ways that I can do that? So the, the first criteria is pretty much more than 50% of your time must be performed in real estate business that you materially, materially participate in. So in essence, if you have a W-2 job that you work 2,000 hours, you're probably not going to be a real estate professional. But if you're a 1099 contractor and you maybe spend 500 hours on that job and spend 750 hours as a real estate professional, you could claim that designation. So it has everything. So the one way you can qualify is just about like what's the total number of hours. Am I spending uh, more than 50% of my time doing real estate over everything else, which is basically like, hey, do you mostly do real estate is the question IRS is trying to get out there there. And, and in conjunction with that, is it a minimum of 750 hours? So both of those have to be true. It has to be 750 hours at least and more than 50% of, of your time into it, right? Correct. Those are the first two steps to get qualified to be a real estate professional. Cool. So let's say, so that's one avenue we can do it on. Is there another avenue that's available to us or is that the one avenue that we have to use to be able to qualify for real estate professional? Um, those are the two avenues that you would have to qualify to be a real estate professional. Okay, cool. So we look at the, um, the two thresholds, which is, hey, do you have a minimum of 750 hours and are you doing this more than any other, any other activity that you're doing, right? That you're doing as like a for-profit for a business. You have going on. Um, I know a lot of people out there that are like, hey, well, how do we know how much time we're doing real estate? Right? Like, I, I don't have like a, a stopwatch going around, like clicking off the minutes mm -hmm. of like every time that I'm looking at a looking at a deal or researching property or uh, driving around to be able to go, you know, talk to the my business relationships that are helping me uh, with the real estate that I'm doing and the you know, all of those activities um, that come into it. Um, so, you know, if you're not there with like a stopwatch, what is the reasonable ways in which people are keeping track of their time? Um, so that way they have it documented. And so if it was ever reviewed in an audit or anything, they'd say, yeah, we're gonna be able to ahead and go ahead and prove that because of our documentation that, yeah, we looks like we do qualify for a real estate professional. Yeah, so there's a few ways people have documented it. They, they'll make notes in their iPhone calendar or their work calendar. Or just, yeah, I spent an hour talking to a repairman on apartment A. Um, they also can keep just a handwritten journal as well. And what you want to do is in an ideal world, you'd write the exact time and everything down, but that's not going to happen every time. So there's a reasonableness check to where if you're stopping at an open house to check out if you want to buy that home for a rental, you just put an hour down, that's pretty reasonable. The IRS isn't going to question that if you got audited, if you have date and one hour. 
if you put four or five hours down for that visit, they would probably press you on that. So it is a kind of a reasonable way just to select collect time. You just want to keep notes, you know, kind of like a vehicle miles journal if you use private vehicle miles. Um, you can send yourself emails. I mean, just any way to document this amount of time to get to that 750. Awesome. So I know um, when we talk about the documentation, there's like everybody has their own way that they want to be able to, to do that. My favorite way to do it is just adding things into the calendar for when like a, the ballparks of here, how, how much time I'm allotting for that. Sometimes I'm a little over, sometimes a little under, but it's reasonable amounts of time that I'm just budgeting into my day um, because I'm, I know that that's how it works. So Whenever I do that, then now I have a digital log about, you know, this is where I have, right? But if you don't feel comfortable with the digital technology or you prefer something that's like handwritten um, into it, um, those can always just be, those can always be created. And they can also be created from recollection, right? Yep. So you don't have to make the record contemporaneously with the event. Right. So I know right. like some people that use their calendar and they knew like how they were operating their business, what, what kinds of things were going on. And it was like November and they were like, great, well, I'm going to create the logs all the way starting back in January to to chronicle up my 750 hours plus uh, that I needed to go do that. Or if they were working, you know, a two thousand or two thousand hour annual job, they're like, great, I need to have over a thousand hours documented um, in here to have that as the record. Because like once you're over at 2000 and I can, uh, it, once you're over that, like, hey, I have a full-time W-2 job that's in here, right? Yeah. It is a Herculean thing to look at to say, hey, on top of that, I'm spending an extra thousand hours a year in real estate. Now, is it possible? Yeah, it's possible. Mm -hmm. I know people that do it because there's people out there that are just driven and they're like, I'm going to make this real estate business happen for me because that's how important it is to my life. And if that's you, right, then you create the records on it and you can say to the IRS with a straight face that, yeah, this is true and accurate of what it is, then good. Because if when you claim that and you have a full-time W-2 job, you're going to end up with in the, their, their presumption is going to be that this isn't correct, right? Because it's not the best fit. It doesn't happen all the time, right? This is a, a rare thing that somebody is going to be doing that. So anytime and from your inside of what this is, which is like a basically all audits are a type of litigation, anytime type, time you think you might be in litigation in the future, the best thing you can do is have great records. Great records is how you make proof. And it's hard to beat good records into it, right? Especially if the good records are thought through, hey, what's gonna be reasonable? for me to do here? And how well have I thought through the record keeping to ensure that what it is that I'm claiming is reasonable um, and um, that it's going to be in line with what it is that you're actually doing, right? Doesn't have to be perfect, but it needs to be reasonable. It needs to be in line with it. Now, there's a whole other segment of people that don't have a full-time W-2, right? That come into it. And those people from a litigation or audit standpoint don't have nearly the type of scrutiny associated with them because I say, well, great. However long it takes you to run your business, you know, selling shoes online or mittens or whatever the case may be for your, that job. Well, we don't know what that is, right? That's whatever you actually claim it to be because nobody can possibly know what that is, right? So that's going to be based upon your own assertion of how many hours do I take running that business? So that's true and correct to the extent of your knowledge um, of whatever that's going to be. Um, 
So anyway, I wanted to just take a second to like break that down to say like, great, if you have a stay at home spouse um, is another way I've heard of people qualifying for that. Pete, can you talk us through some of the um, advantages of having a stay at home spouse or spouse that doesn't have another job when you're looking to qualify for a real estate professional? Yeah, so having a spouse that doesn't work um, really helps out in getting this designation because as we talked about, if you have a full W-2 job, it's going to be very hard to have the IRS not audit you and kind of question your approval. But if you have a spouse that isn't working and they still keep the log of the 750 hours and are spending more than half their time of actual work doing it, doing the real estate business, um, they can easily claim this as one of the, on the tax return as a real estate professional, which then since it's a joint return, that will take your passive losses now active because the spouse is active. Yeah. So if you have that like stay at home husband or wife, mm -hmm. right? First thing you should be like, holy smokes, let's get you, let's, let's make sure that you, let's get you qualified as a real estate professional. Let's go through those steps to get you qualified like that, because then I'm going to be able to take all of, all of my real estate. And then I'm going to get to apply that against all the income that I'm making for our family here. So, you know, Babe, you go do the real estate. I'm going to go make the money and you're going to save us on taxes. And I'll go make the money. And you're like, that sounds like a dream. Dream marriage made in heaven uh, from a financial freedom standpoint coming into it. Correct. <laughs> awesome. Pete, anything else that you think would be important for us to cover off on as it relates to real estate professional? Um, one of the thing is uh, to that 750 hours, the IRS would view that as each rental each house each apartment so if you had four houses you would have to do 750 hours to each house if you don't follow the correct form if you file a form with the irs saying it's a single activity you only need that 750 hours for one 20 30 how many of your houses or apartments you have so you just want to make sure you have the correct paperwork filed out to lump all of your rentals into as a single activity very very cool so if you have an existing cpa that you're working with make sure that they file the appropriate forms if you're going to claim real estate professional if you have uh, a, a full-time w-2 job and you're trying to claim real estate professional on top of that make sure you're consulting with an attorney who's experienced in litigation matters to help you make sure that you're preparing the right documentation because there's a now a more likely chance that you're going to get audited is it a definite audit absolutely not but it's more likely that you would be audited on that because it, it it doesn't pass the sniff test right for what irs is looking at so there's a more likely they're going to come and want to see that documentation and you're going to want to have that documentation prepared and ready on the front end before they ever come and ask so make sure you have an attorney be able to do that if you don't have one contact me about it if you don't have a cpa you need to be talking to pete about what ways um, the CPA work that he does is going to be able to help you, whether that's like, hey, I just need an hour to be able to make sure that I'm doing the best practices of what's going on here. Or if you need more deep dives inside of like forensic modeling about like, hey, if I did real estate professional or I did solo 401ks or I did some of these tax things, what would be the difference for me? What's the investment I need to make to get to the right tax place that I need to get overall? Right. And we view tax very much as like a return on investment for every dollar that you spend inside of your infrastructure, your knowledge based on tax. So one of those one of those things that's able to pay you 
pay you out an actual ROI. And those ROIs are actually huge when you extrapolate them over the next three to five years. Not operating tax optimally is hugely expensive um, in, in, uh, in the grand scheme of things. Guys, it's the next thing right after you focus on making money is how do you save money on tax and, and the money-making game that we all play together. So thank you so much, Pete. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, I hope you enjoyed um, everything here on The Real Estate Professional. Um, if you want to connect with us, uh, about how we might be able to assist you either from the tax or the legal um, side of the house. We're definitely willing and happy to be able to connect with you on that and talk about how we can have a deeper relationship to support you into getting into the best practices and the best thinking about how do you get to your financial freedom and what, how have we seen people do that time and time and time again over the 2,000 clients that we help in all 50 states and every asset class as well as entrepreneurs and business owners. Um, so looking forward to connecting with you all. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the show today. If you're feeling overwhelmed with taxes as they relate to your real estate business and investments, or you're unsure if you're doing your accounting correctly, fill out our five-minute quiz. With the information from this quiz, you'll schedule a meeting with a Royal Legal Solutions advisor who will provide you with powerful tax-saving strategies on your first call. Go to www.royallegalsolutions.com tax to fill it out.